Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. G'day, welcome to Movember Radio. I'm Osha Ginsberg. Thanks so much for being here. This is a weekly podcast focusing on men's health and the issues that men face today. There are more than 5 million people in the Movember community worldwide, and each week we have a conversation with one of them who feels passionately about changing the face of men's health. To make sure you never miss an episode, find us in SoundCloud, iTunes, or the podcast app of your choice. Also, MovemberRadio.com. This week, we'd ask that you rate and comment on us in the iTunes store. I know it's a hassle. You'd think Apple would get it together, but please do it. It really helps us all out. My guest this week is Australian one-day international cricket vice-captain George Bailey. Now, I had a conversation with George after Australia's defeat in the first Ashes Test last month, where we talked about the power of Australian fast bowler Mitchell Johnson's moustache, looking up to mustachioed cricketing heroes such as David Boone and Alan Border, and writing down your fears when you're struggling as a great way to face them. George also very graciously opened up about how the passing of Philip Hughes affected the Australian cricket team and some of the conversations that the team have had since. George is a past Mobro with a great sense of humour. I think you're really going to enjoy listening to this one. You're in the UK right now because the, the Ashes tour is going on. It's quite exciting over there, isn't it? It is, Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, and I think it's been made more interesting by the fact that England have won that first game. So it's piqued everyone's interest a little. Well, let, let's get right into it. Australia was somewhat soundly defeated, unfortunately, by England in the first test match. The nature of sport is that there's a binary outcome. That's why we like it so much. You either win or you lose. And like anything life, it's, it's how you handle the losses that defines you. You've been in the, the those dressing rooms. What's it like after the last delivery and... and what are the days like between there and when the next game starts? What do you do? Um, well, I think it's a little bit of everything. It's a little bit of personal reflection. There's obviously a team aspect where you, you talk about how you went as a group and, and the things that you can do better. Uh, but cricket, like a lot of things, it's, one, it's interesting because you're working as a team, but at the end of the day, it's a quite an individual sport. So if you if you go away and reflect and then vow to do better or obviously you know train to train to do better and then go out and perform then there's every chance that the team will have a better outcome in the next game so it's one of those um it's it's always an interesting one because 
and and the beauty of sport, as you said, with the the winning and losing that outcome, is that everyone has an opinion on how that's come about. And <laughs> and actually, once the emotion dies out of it, and you, you take a step back, you actually realise that it, it might only come down to two or three key moments in the game. And uh, and you can get you know once the emotion dies out of it a little bit, you can actually dissect that and think, yeah, it's okay, we lost, but. It really came down to these two moments. They did them better than us, and, and we're hopefully doing that better next time. Do you guys talk at all um, about, you know, say, for example, if any of you are under particular pressure from the press about your performance, do you guys you know, support each other and have conversations about that? Yeah, absolutely, you do. And uh, that's come into the game, I think, a lot more. There's no doubt that the pressure that the, the media and social media in particular, I think, with that, that instant feedback that you get nowadays uh, and, the, and the access that people have to you uh, means that you're constantly, um, you're constantly in the spotlight. And I think for many years, certainly when I started playing, I'm 32 now, it, was, it wasn't the norm to talk about uh, when you were struggling and it's it's a really competitive environment and it's funny that when you're on tour that you're, you're part of a team but there's there's a lot of guys around you who are also desperate to take your spot as well <laughs> and uh, it's there was a there is a perception and there still can be a perception that any sign of weakness even talking about something that you might be battling with is a is a you know is letting your guard down and is a sign of weakness but I think um, certainly in the Australian cricket team that we we talk a lot about family and um and you know we're one we're part of one big family and we've obviously got our extended families as well and the more we can actually open up about those things and it's amazing when you do uh your fears and the things that you're struggling with it's amazing how often someone next to you says you know i've been through the exact same thing or i'm feeling the exact same way and immediately you know as soon as you do that the 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 freedom that you get and the weight that comes off your shoulders and that really you realize I'm normal. And, and that's a, that's a really uh, a great thing to have and to have that sort of support network around you. I guess, you know, when, when, when you're a kid, it's like, whether it be cricket or ice hockey or NFL or, or football, you know, any kid looks up to their sporting heroes. If it were my age, all my sporting heroes had mustaches and you look up to them <laughs> and they're, you know, they're these invincible Superman or superwomen, uh, completely invulnerable to anything, but to know that, you know, in the dressing rooms that actually talking about what's going on is, is actually, that's pretty awesome. It is, it is. And it's so funny you mention that because I think back to the, the cricketers and the footballers that I, that I grew up idolizing and they weren't human, were they? I mean, you just, you just had this vision of them and, uh, and it's almost the first time that that, that illusion is shattered. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a come to earth moment, but no doubt. And, I think that's the that's one of the great things about sport is that um, the higher the level the levels go, obviously the standard increases, but the fears and the the nerves, um, the worries that you have, they don't change from that first time you step out onto a onto a field as an under twelve. You know, you still get worried about trying to get a kick or trying to hit, you know trying to hit a four, making sure you don't drop a catch. All those all those things never change. So let's let's talk about that being on the under twelve. Who was the who was the first person in your cricket career? Maybe you were a kid, maybe you were a teenager, maybe you were older. Who was the first person to say, you know what, Bailey, maybe you could do something with this? I think it was probably um, my father who who uh, who realised that, and he was my both my parents were particularly supportive. Uh, but in funny ways, we we grew up on a little farm in Tasmania, and uh, I think Mum got sick of me banging 
um, tennis balls against the side of the house. So dad sort of built me a purpose built little, um, little concrete cricket pitch out the back with a little wall. So I could, uh, I could spend hours, um, honing the craft as it is, uh, and trying to get pet sheep to fill in the correct positions by <laughs> leaving strategic bales of hay and things like that, which they weren't particularly accommodating about. Um, but it's funny you mentioned the moustache thing because all the time, obviously being Tasmanian, um, there was a lot of there was a lot of David Boone playing. He was very hard to get out. Uh, you know, Alan Border was another who had a terrific moustache. Uh, he was always he was always featuring heavily in those backyard games as well. Yeah, they were, Alan Border actually used to shop at the supermarket down the road from me, and um, yeah, he was you know he was a god of Australian cricket, and it was it's actually pretty strange to see him in the flesh when you see those cricketers back then before sunblock. When you see him in the first in the light for the first <laughs> time, you're like, what happened to you? Yeah, that's right. And I assume you know Alan Border back then was he just eating raw meat? Was that just pretty much cracking cracking eggs in the aisle and and having them raw? <laughs> Yeah. Pretty much. You captained Tasmania uh, for a long time. What do you think you knew about leadership when you went into that role? Probably more than I than I knew, but I knew very little in terms of of what I did know. If uh, I think that makes sense. Um, one, one of the best pieces of advice about captaincy I got from um, Dan Marsh, the, who was the departing captain, is now the coach of Tasmania, was. It's just something that you'll you'll constantly get better at. The, you know, the longer you do it, because you'll, you, I think, every day you learn something about um, yourself and something about other people that that can make you a better leader. Um, but the, the, no doubt, the biggest the biggest thing is just being empathy for other people and and uh, and understanding that we're all so different and and we'll we'll look at things in a slightly different way that will completely change how you approach a problem, how you um, approach going well, how you approach when you're struggling. Um, so that's been, that's been a really fascinating journey for me to actually step back and, uh, and just try and listen more, understand more. And, um, and I think what I've found from that is that, that when you give guys a bit of space to come up with their own solutions, but knowing they've got a great support network around them in, in coaches and senior players, it's amazing how often they come up with, with great answers. Uh, and it's so much more powerful than, than uh, the old lecturer or teachers just standing there telling them what to do. So that's, that's something that I guess that empowering and, and letting guys grow and, and fail a little bit on their own um, has been a great thing for us. What was it like for you when you saw players your age or younger getting called up for the, you know, from state level to play international while you are still in the domestic competition? How did, how did you handle that? It's a, it's a, my, my journey like that is a little bit funny. I've, I've always, uh, my biggest issue has always been self-belief. So believing that I belong at each level. So it certainly, it took me a long time to believe that I belonged um, playing at a domestic level, and then when I started to see, as you as you said, some of my peers playing for Australia, and that was a chance for me to step back and say, "Hang on a minute, I, I think I can I can do the same sort of thing as him. I think I can play at the same sort of level." And um, and it was actually their success that probably gave me the belief uh, to to push a little harder and and dig a little deeper. And and once again, it was much the same at at the international level. When I first got there, I thought. This is this is outrageous. I don't belong here, uh, and it took a little while to actually um, feel like I belong and I can do this. And and so I know 
I mean, I mean, that's I really envious. I'm very envious of the really confident guys in our team, the guys who stroll in the in the door the first day and and just look like they own the place and they belong here. And I know that rubs a lot of people up the wrong way, but I just sit back and think, wow, I wish I wish I had that. I think that's a, a great gift. Uh, but I'm very aware of the uh, the other people who who uh, are constantly having those mind battles with themselves, which and, you know, other people can see the greatness in them, but they just they can't quite see it themselves. Well, someone saw the greatness in you because you made your international debut as captain of Australia in 2012, the, the second player in history to do so, the first being the guy that was the captain for the very first ever test. Um, <laughs> so that's it's a pretty incredible achievement and an uncommon path to follow um, to that role. What was the reaction to your promotion uh, amongst the uh, you know the the general population of cricketers and you know the uh, people above you and how did you handle that? I was terrified um, internally, no doubt about it, and and was thinking and still think um, what what were they thinking? I mean, I, that's just an outrageous thing to do. Um, but I also knew it was an incredible opportunity and one that one that. I was happy to fail at, uh, but one I was going to give absolutely everything. It was it was um, it was just one of those moments where, I guess, when people say when they die, you know, thrown in the deep end, and that that was you, you can start kicking and and swinging your arms around, or, or you just sink. And uh, and so I did that, and and once again, that was a a really different form of leadership. I think in in in, um, in Tasmania, I'd. I'd gone through the ranks and I'd earned the opportunity to, to have that honour, whereas uh, being thrust into it and having a lot of senior guys around me, uh, certainly more experienced, added a new dimension to the way uh, that I tried to lead. I was certainly very um, open in, in what I was trying to do with the team and, and just tried to get a lot of feedback from them to make sure that we're all on the same page. And so it was a lot about uh, probably communicating things that I didn't necessarily think were relevant all the time, but um, it was really great for me to know that the senior players were on the same wavelength or I had their support. So that was, uh, it was hard work, but, um, but ultimately very, very rewarding when I look back on it. As, as sportsmen, you're obviously very aware of your bodies when things aren't going well mechanically, but uh, does that transfer across to when things aren't so peaceful between the ears? Absolutely, it does. Uh, and and once again, I think you don't really notice that a lot until until after the fact, and you sit back and you realise that a time in your life when uh, cricket might not be going so well, and um, and that translate into you having a couple of months of really ordinary sleep, and then suddenly that might be the time when you you get a couple of funny injuries and things like that. And um, and once again, that's the the networks that we have around us to be actually to try and to to raise that and to and to bring it up and talk about it and and also trying to find the time um international sport is a real bubble and it's you 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 actually forget what day of the week it is it's either just a playing day a travel day or a training day that's really the the world you live in so it's it's time finding the time to sit back and and um and spend a bit of time with the people you love and spending a bit of time with yourself to make sure that you can just reflect and and I guess check how you how you are going yourself, and um, and get a little bit of that that clarity back about what's normal and what feels normal. Um, and you know, certainly, we're probably lucky in many respects in the fact that we play in a team where a lot of guys are going through the the same sorts of things. So there is there's that network constantly around you. Um, and once you do start to open up, it's amazing how many guys have been through the same things. And you can imagine how great it is when you talk about. Um, 
you know, a stressful situation you've been in or how you're struggling to sleep before games or, you know, how you find it hard to, to talk to your, your... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Your girlfriend or your wife while you're away, uh, and and Ricky Ponting and Mike Hussey say that they've been through the same thing. And you know, once again, they're the superheroes. And if the superheroes are feeling that way, then it must be okay for us to feel that way. It's so fantastic that you guys have those kind of conversations. It really is wonderful to hear that you. <laughs> You exhibit some of the most resilient behavior that I've seen in any sportsman, international or, or, or domestic. For, for example, you injured your right shoulder so badly that you couldn't throw with it. So you just went ahead and learned how to throw your left, your left shoulder <laughs> so you could keep playing. Were you always like that? Uh, I, no, but I was, I was pretty desperate not to, not to, to miss any, any cricket. Um, but that was a really interesting injury. Because I, I went through a period there where, with that injury, I, I wasn't, I didn't enjoy playing and I didn't enjoy training. I, I felt, um, you know, a lot of cricket batting training is done with a partner throwing, throwing to your partner, and then, and then they throw to you. And, and I couldn't, if I was doing that training, I was getting a lot of throws from someone, and then couldn't help them out. And that, I found that really difficult. I found fielding training, which was something I used to really enjoy, and it's actually the one activity that you do as a group in cricket uh, it's the it's the one real team activity uh that was that was just constant pain and and fear of re-injuring or re-aggravating the shoulder so that was something that i found really difficult and, and wasn't enjoying uh but once again i didn't i didn't know i was going through that at the time until um the shoulder slowly got a little bit better and i sat back and, and realized this is it's become a game again it's starting to be fun uh, but once again, it was amazing. It gave me a great sense of, of the guys who have long-term injuries, fast bowlers with, with bad backs, um, guys who have knee injuries um, and, and, and spend a lot of time rehabbing away from the team. So it just gave me a good um, sense of, of the things that they would be going through. And, and you know, certainly when we are with the Tasmanian side, that it's, it's very much a, a part of, of making sure that they still feel part of the team and making sure that... Uh, 
people still know that just because you're injured, you're still a good person, and uh, and it, you know, in the team, in the team or out of the team, injured and with the group or not with the group, um, that that people still care about you. You mentioned not being able to sleep before a big game. Not all of us are going to go out and play international cricket tomorrow, but I know a lot of people are worried about whatever's going to happen tomorrow, whether it be at work or at school or with a partner. What you know, what do you do when you when you can't sleep before something that you're worried about? The, one of the, the best things I've, I've started to do over the last couple of years is uh, is write the fears down, um, which for a lot of people is is easier than in, than talking about them. And the the best thing I found about that was as soon as it was down on paper and I could once again probably go away and, and look at look at it again in a week's time. It it showed me how irrational a lot of the fears were. Um, and it just even allowed me to, you know, you write down the, the fear or what was, was troubling you and then the the answer is so obvious and the solution is right there. And it just made me, um, I guess it just got it out. It was a, it was a form of, of getting it out and, and allowing you to, to move on and, and rationalize it in some way. So when you're having a, a, a tough time like that, you know, this is what, this is the action I have to take. This is what I've got to do. You just go straight through that. Yes, yeah, I certainly try to and have, have tried to do that. And um, at, the, at the crux of it for us uh, is, is just trying to remember that it is a game and, um, and you, you do get lost up in, in that, uh, the scrutiny once again from the media or, um, or, just, or just the stress, I think, of being away from your family a lot. But at the end of the day, we are in a very fortunate position of being able to do something we love. I'm, I'm sure you're probably in the, in the same boat. And... Um, I think there are a lot of people who don't have that opportunity. So that's, that's a really important thing for me to be able to get back. And it's funny the things that it's actually sometimes stepping away from cricket and going and spending time with, with friends and family, um, going back and even playing uh, local grade cricket and, and getting back to with your, you know, your original mates who you, you first started playing with years and years ago and just seeing the joy that, that, um, that you playing brings them. And that's something that's really important for me too. What have you learned about keeping, uh, you know, keeping focus and not letting those fears or, or worries get in the way when it's time to perform? Say, for example, you know, when you've got a fast bowler plummeting down the field at you, and you're at a you're a packed stadium at you know at Lords or in India, you know, you have miles, thousands of, there's a lot of money at stake, you know. Not everyone's going to have that experience, but everyone knows what it's like to be. I've got to do the thing that I get paid to do right now, even though I'm scared. How do you do that? I th- that's, that's that's actually the bit where it's the most relaxing because it's you you actually don't have time to to be afraid then that's when you're actually and and the fear of the unknown and the fear you know before you've actually done something is always much worse than going through it when when the, when it actually happens so once by the time that fast bowler is actually steaming in you, there's nowhere to hide so you, I think your body just instinctively knows relax and and will deal with this. Uh, the the best way we know how, whereas the lead up is, and that's where writing is really important for me. Um, is, it's my way of sharing those fears and actually being able to 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 rationalise that and think it's going to be okay. Um, and I've also found that once again by me being able to write, it, it's it gives me a little clarity about the things that I'm then able to share with the people around me. And um, and and rather than uh, I guess going off on a tangent, I can be quite specific about the things that I'm concerned about. And, and I guess you can be more specific about the things that can help you. If it's okay, I'd like you to, 
take us through one of the more in practice, in fact, I'm going to say one of the most remarkable displays of character I've ever seen amongst an international sportsman. You started the 2015 Cricket World Cup as captain by the time <laughs> you were celebrating the win at the street parade attended by thousands of people in Melbourne. You were wearing the 12th man's jersey, the, the guy that runs onto the field and, and brings the drinks yeah. and stuff, smiling, signing autographs. There's not many players that I can think of that would have been able to deal with that situation in the same way, what what was that experience like? Um, well, I think last year was a, a pretty crazy year. Um, we, we'd, we'd obviously had the the horrible experience of, of Husey um, in in November. So I think I think we I think we had a really good perspective on life and cricket for the entire summer, um, and it was we knew. We, we, that was a huge moment in, in, in for us for our careers. We, you were born into a home World Cup. You only get one opportunity to to, to do that if you do. And so, um, whether I was going to be a part of that on the field or just part of of being of the group was was always going to be a really special moment in my life. So it was. Um, I'd actually gone through the summer just in enjoying the game for, for what it was. And I know a lot of guys were, were dealing with, um, with that, with the summer the same way. Um, so it, re- it really was, I just, it was, it was the, a crazy time for, I thought for, for cricket in Australia, the support we were getting around the, the country was phenomenal. Um, it was so much fun. And, um, and yeah, the, 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 the to win a World Cup, I think, is is not just the the six weeks you rock up and, and do it. That had been something that had been in the making for for three or four years, and and I I'm very proud of the the role that I'd played in that side in the lead up to that. So I I was quite comfortable with my contribution, um, and just very very grateful to be a part of it, and um, and I and and still feeling blessed that we were just able to to be with our mates. If it if it's okay, and I'm okay if you don't don't want to talk about it, but could you could you describe how you guys all got through that that awful few days and weeks after Philip Hughes passed away? Um, I can try. If I, <laughs> I'll see how I go. Um, oh, just enormous amount of support for each other, I think, and um, and and from our families and uh, and from the the nation in general. I think it was. Um, yeah, as I said, we t- we talk a lot about family, and that's that means a lot. That means our cricket Australia family. It means our cricket Tasmania family, and and the family and friends you have around you. Um, and never has that been more evident that that we needed each other, and and how important uh, we meant for each other. So it was, um, and I, I mean I. It, I say this about a lot of things, but it's amazing when you have those catastrophic events that it, it brings a lot of other things in your life into real clarity. And you, um, but it's it's terrible that it takes something like that to actually give you the clarity. Um, and that's I, I just have tried to, and I know a lot of other guys have tried to to use what happened to Phil um, as a constant reminder of the of the great things and the the lucky things that we have. And um, in terms of the friendships and the the support networks, I think we have in Australian cricket now. I, because of that, I don't think they've ever been better. I know guys are checking on each other a lot more than we probably would have, um, and that's. Um, I, I think we've become close, and I think there's there's a lot more love and care and um, and appreciation for for how lucky we are. 
I'm great. I'm grateful you took us through that, mate. Thank you. Thank you very much. You do play cricket alongside. We did mention that there were superheroes in our youths that had moustaches and played cricket. Well, we do still have one. Uh, Mitchell Johnson is one of the world's greatest Mobros. What's it like for the Australian cricket team in November when you're trying to deal with that machine of a moustache? Well, like everything Mitch does, it's like he grows a moustache overnight. He does. And that's uh, for, for uh, the fairer head and, uh, and uh, guys like Steve Smith and myself. I mean, it's, we, needed, we need 10 years' notice before we can, we can start growing moustache. It's not, it's not fair. I know one year that we, uh, we had a crack at it in Tasmania, I got to about the, the 20th, I think, of November and uh, started using a friend's mascara just to get a little bit of colour so at least people could... Because it was, you know, that awkward moment when, not like when you when you see a, a girl, and I think, oh, I'm not sure if she's pregnant. Or not. I don't. People didn't even know is, is George growing a moustache? Is he not? So when you see someone like Mitchell Johnson who just wakes up one day and says, oh, I'm going to have a moustache, and then poof, there it is um, on the back of him, then steaming in and and bowling absolute thunderbolts. Uh, it's an impressive look, isn't it? <laughs> what was it that drew you towards Movember? Uh, a, a really close mate in Tasmania um, had had lost his father, um, and and felt and, and felt that uh, this was a cause really close to his heart, and he he got behind it in a big way, and still does. Um, the the Tassie Mo Bros, they they get involved. Um, so it was it was just to support him and, and try and uh, raise a little money. Um, I think it's been. You know, it's, it's in a place like Tasmania, quite a small community where you do tend to know everyone. Um, it's a it's a wonderful, a great thing because it's it's amazing. You know, get back to that that thing about so many people are going through the same issues or feeling the same thing. Or if you if you if you aren't, then you know someone who can and you can link them up and they can connect. Um, that's that's a, a really important of a community like Tasmania. So that was the initial the initial. Um, Lure, uh, but yeah, after that first year and the dismal failure of trying to grow a moustache, I've just had to be a sideline supporter. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I know you're very busy. It's a big day for all you guys, so um, we'll get out of this. And I, I always ask the same three questions when we wrap this up. You mentioned uh, the kind of moustache that you grow. Um, what what mowie are you going to grow this year? Are you going to give it a shot? Absolutely. Yeah, why not? Um, oh. A very ordinary one. A dog's <laughs> breakfast moustache, I think it'll be. <laughs> All right, then. Um, what, what, uh, what do your mates mean to you, George? Uh, absolutely everything. Um, well, we'll stick with the dog theme. My mates are like Labradors. I reckon that they just, um, they're loyal and, uh, and they, every, every moment that I get to spend with them, that makes me appreciate uh, how lucky I am. And uh, final question, if you could call up 18-year-old George, what would you tell him? Oh, good question. What was that? Nokia on the old Nokia, I reckon, wouldn't it be? He would, he'd be playing Snake on it. Um, I would say um, just don't, don't, don't stress about the small stuff. You know, I, I think I've spent a lot of time worrying about little things that, uh, that, that obviously you only you start to, with experience, you, you learn, but... Um, just, just appreciate the good things, appreciate the little things, and don't sweat about the little things. Mate, I couldn't be more grateful to have your time today. Thank you so much. Always, always love it. 
That was George Bailey. If you like the show, find him on social media. Let him know that you heard him here. Uh, also, if you could do us a favor this week, just tell someone you know about this show. And maybe they can find it. Maybe they won't. But just if you could do that, oh, listen to that show. It was really good. I am grateful that I could share that conversation with you, though it should never replace a conversation with your own doctor. You can find us on Facebook by searching Movember and for other episodes, MovemberRadio.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, or the podcast app of your choice. This episode was produced by myself, Oshie Ginsberg, along with Molly Hindman and Megan Bell. Music was by Toe Hider. Audio production on this episode was by Lotta Haig. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.